Now, here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. So, Gordon, as you know, the draft is coming up. And uh, Mel Kaipa Jr. was on with Barton Hahn earlier today. And with all these offensive linemen that uh, Joe Douglas has signed with the Jets and free agency, the boys asked Mel, are they going to sign, a, are they going to draft the offensive linemen? Well, you know, were they Band-Aids or are they guys that you can count on down the road? Uh, yeah, sure. It depends how they look at that. I think you look at the, the receiver depth that you have to be able to get a guy in the second round like Michael Pittman Jr. from USC or Jalen Rager from TC or Devin Duvernay from Texas or Chase Claypool, Notre Dame, KJ Hamler, Penn State. All those guys, some of those guys are going to be there. Uh, now, what offensive tackle that you'll love is going to be there? That's the question. I mean, probably not. So, again, you look at it and you say, I can get a receiver. I know I can get a really good receiver. I can't get the tackle, but I can get Jedrick Wills, and I can put him at right tackle, or I can maybe put him at left tackle, because he has the skill set for that spot as well. He's an outstanding player. I mean, he dominates in a run game. He does a great job keeping that frame between the defensive end and the quarterback in pass protection. Uh, he's a heck of a football player. So he's the kind of guy Darnold needs. He needs receivers, but in this tra- and I would think and in, uh, in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're going to get receivers. So I would think the Jets in this draft, it would be surprising to me if they didn't at the end of the draft have three receivers drafted, but in the first round, get that bookend that can make Sam happy and keep him upright and not get hit and not get flush and then get the receivers, take advantage of the 35 receivers with grades inside around four, get some, you know, handpick some of those guys, like some of the ones I mentioned, to start and then build that receiver core that way. In other words, Gordon, yes. <laughs> it's a long way of going to say, yeah, yeah, they, they're, they're probably going. And yeah. you know what? It really, I mean, not that you're thinking about this exclusively, mm-hmm. but it does have to be about what's what is the best way, what's the best thing for Sam Darnold? Is the best yep. thing to make sure you get the, ta- you know, if there's a tackle still left at 11 and you can put that guy at tackle and you know you're going to have him for the next, you know, eight to ten years, or is it to give him that offensive playmaker? Because they, they don't really have a whole lot of that either. I mean, outside of Crowder, uh, they don't really have a lot of guys that are going to catch a whole lot of balls. Or you can have a lot of confidence they're going to catch a whole lot. Which which of those two positions would be the better benefit to the quarterback? Then right now, the, for them, listen, you build them. I don't care how, what, what the football hasn't changed that much, Gordon. You build your team from the lines out. You want, you want a really good team, you build them in the trenches. Strong offensive line, strong defensive line, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, and you and as Mel said, you can find receivers. I mean, there's plenty of receivers yeah. that are not drafted in the first round that end up having successful careers. I guess there is that true of, 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 uh, of tackles as well, but it just feels like even though they've made some moves to sign some guys, it, I mean, with the amount of improvement that they need along that offensive line, um, it seems like that that would be the move to make. Now I don't know whether or not one of those big four tackles is still going to be there at eleven, mm-hmm. because probably not. Know, it certainly seems like the Giants are going to take one of them, and you know a couple of other ones are going to go before eleven comes around. I would think even if if all four of those guys are gone, I know this has been mentioned for the Giants a lot. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a bad a bad position for the Jets to maybe trade down because the the main thing that they need they need picks, man. They need players. Yeah. They need players everywhere. 
So I know it's not a sexy thing to say, hey, trade down. But if they can move down from 11 to, I don't know, somewhere in, you know, right around 20 and pick up another couple of picks this year, next year. I mean, that's what you want Joe Douglas to do is to build this team. And the, the building of this team is not going to be done exclusively in one draft. So he's got a lot of work to do and not a lot of resources to do it right now. You're absolutely right. Well, you know, when we talk about the Giants, there's this thing about linebackers. So Mel Carper Jr. was asked about Isaiah Simmons. I think Simmons, is he too good? Is he going to be the defining performer for today's NFL? I mean, if, there, if you could draw up a linebacker for today's game, the way it's played, it's him. So I don't know if you worry about 10, 12, 15 years ago, or even five years ago, for that matter, what the trend was. This guy is perfect for covering tight ends. He covered receivers. He was 35, 40 yards down the field, flipping his hips turning like a corner. He's got great length, incredible speed. Uh, you know, all the things that you want now for today's game. To be able to, to counteract what teams are doing now, he's one of those key elements. So I don't know if they, and adding Martinez is a nice move. The guy does nothing but produce. Uh, you know, uh, play after play. The guy is a, a heck of a football player. So then you add Simmons to that linebacker. Now all of a sudden, look how much better you are. So I think for today's game, it's very difficult uh, to pass up Isaiah Simmons. Hmm. So if, if let's say Dave Gellerman does pass him up, will he move down now? I think he would like to, but I think that was what he would prefer to do. By moving from four to six, you've lost nothing. You're because the fifth pick's going to be a quarterback. So you know you would think you would think if somebody moves up to four ahead of Miami, that would be the chart, and Miami's going to take a quarterback too. So you're getting the exact same player, whether it be Isaiah Simmons, linebacker Clemson, or an offensive tackle like Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Either way, you can't lose if you're if you're Gettleman, and then that opportunity presented itself. The issue there is, will a team want to move up to get Tua, knowing the injury concerns, in addition to the durability concerns, once he's healthy and ready to go, once he's in the NFL. So that may preclude that from happening. And maybe Miami sits at five and takes Herbert. Maybe the Chargers at six take Tua, and they don't even have to move. And then Joe Jordan Love becomes maybe a Las Vegas Raider at 12 or 19, or somebody moves around to get him. So as you move now to baseball, Mark Deshaun was on Golik and Wingo this morning. You can hear Monday through Friday here on 98.7 ESPN. And as we talk about what the different plans are going to be and what's going on, well, Texas Major League Baseball players... They're, they're not overly concerned about returning to baseball. Honestly, as a player, um, you know, and, and a lot of people are saying this privately, probably not as publicly because we all want to be extremely sensitive to this thing. But players aren't as scared as probably the general population. Number one, you'll, you know, if you let me as a player back into a stadium, it's going to be a clean place. There's not going to be any. We obviously need to have some more testing. There's not going to be people with the virus all over all over the the stadium and all over the clubhouse. We're outside for for a good part of the day. Baseball, yeah, you're touching the ball and you're touching you know bats and stuff, but there's not a ton of physical contact in the game. So I believe players right now would would feel good about going back to work. The problem is is all of the support staff that it takes to put on a baseball game, from the clubhouse attendants to the trainers to all the coaches, everybody in a big stadium, all the different cameras, the technology that you need from a from a um, you know game broadcast standpoint, I think players would be more worried about the support staff because we don't want to see anybody then get sick. No doubt about that. And, Gordon, that's going to be the next thing that you figure out. And I guess, you know, players are kind of give you a gauge on how they're, how they're feeling or whatnot. 
I think the best thing for them right now, they're just saying, listen, just <laughs> let us, when you come up with a plan, whenever it is, just let us know and we'll adjust. That's what right. players do. Yeah. Get back to us. You know, I did want to go back to one thing that Mel said mm-hmm. about uh, the, the, the pick of Isaiah Simmons. Yep. Uh, he said, you know, that's, that, that's the kind of guy, the prototypical guy for the way that the game is played now. Is Dave Gettleman, though, the guy who's going to select the guy who's the prototypical guy who's for the game that's played now? Or is Dave Gettleman still looking for the guy of the, you know, the blueprint that he's followed and feels like has been followed for the last 20, 30 years? Mm. That's the problem with the Isaiah Simmons pick. And look, maybe he maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he will trade down and finally do it. Maybe uh, he, he'll take Simmons and make all the Giant fans happy. I would be, again. I said it last week to you. I would be absolutely stunned that it's sitting at four. All those tackles are on the board, and the guy that loves the hog mollies and could use one, right? Like yeah. pass rusher and tackle are the two biggest question marks for the Giants. They have not really addressed either one so far in, in free agency. That they're going to allow one of those. That Dave Gettleman is going to allow one of those guys to to go by him at four. It, it would shock me. Yeah, there's no question about it. Gordon, uh, some sad news in the world of sports. Um, former Viking and Seahawks quarterback Tavarius Jackson dies at the age of 36. He was involved in a single vehicle crash uh, last night when his 2012 Chevrolet Camaro he was driving left the roadway, struck a tree, and then overturned. He was transported to a local hospital where he was later pronounced dead. He was an assistant with Tennessee State University, had a 10-year NFL career after being drafted by the Vikes in 2006. He was primarily a backup. He was part of Seattle's Super Bowl-winning team led by Russell Wilson. Also... The Timberwolves announced in the statement that Jackie Towns died Monday. That's Carl Anthony Towns' mom died from complications from the coronavirus. She was hospitalized in March after exhibiting symptoms of coronavirus and tested positive for it. Gordon, you remember that emotional Carl Anthony Towns yep. video last month in which he detailed his family's struggle with the virus because his dad also tested positive, but his dad has recovered. And that's just, you know, it's... it's when you think about what's going on with this virus and, and you know, it, any loss is just tremendous. But then you saw how affected he was by it. Gordon, you can just imagine how he feels now. Yeah, I mean, losing your mom is a very, very difficult thing. And uh, he's still a young man. So and and, the cre- you know, the, 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 the most tragic part of this is that, you know, I don't know what Jackie Towns's health story was before this, but I'm assuming like so many other people. Basically, a month ago, she was just she was fine. She was just living her life, just going about her life, doing her daily things. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this virus, uh, she contracts it and and it just attacks her body. And it's just such a tragedy. You know, uh, I don't remember. I feel like it was very early on. Maybe it was two, three weeks ago now that uh, Carl Anthony Towns had that video out. You know, you're you're following so many things and you're, you're watching the news about this or that. That when you didn't see any updates, you're assuming the best or you're hoping for the best. Yeah. And then to see the story today that uh, she had passed away, obviously uh, condolences to his family and, and condolences to all the people that are suffering right now. And unfortunately, it's just way too many. And then there's Anthony Causey, who was a sports photographer for the New York Post. He was very close with Bruce Beck, who was on the Michael K show, and he remembers the young man. 
He was a special guy. He was New York through and through. He was the classic quintessential New Yorker, taking photographs for anybody who wanted to. And he was great at his craft and driven to be the best. These things have their ebbs and flows. It was always an uphill fight. We were always hoping for a David Tyree catch during this whole thing. We were praying for a David Tyree catch that we never got. Bruce Beck getting emotional. Uh, because he was very close to Anthony Causey. I worked alongside Anthony, knew Anthony, who uh, was at every event. He was always there, always had a smile on his face, always had a joke. He was a great guy. Everybody loved him. Everybody respected him. And Gordon, he was, and, and Bruce talked about it with Michael and the guys earlier today, he was a guy who had the sense of anticipation of knowing where the shot was going to be. That's why so many people are talking about the shot he has of Eli Manning because right. he was in the tunnel. So he has the shot of the, exactly the daughters hugging their dad. Everybody's got it from the up, from the reverse side. He's the one that's got it from the daughter's side. And it's just, it, it's, it spoke to who he was, but he couldn't have been a nicer guy, Gordon. And listen, let me tell you something from, and you kind, you know this as well. Reporters and camera people, electronic or otherwise, we sometimes get in each other's way. Absolutely. <laughs> when, we're, right. when we're trying to get that, when we're trying to get to the story, we're trying to get that, the gang bang around the players and everything. We can get in each other's way. There's always, there's some words that are passed around, a little scrum action, you know, but Anthony was always, guys, could you, could you do me a favor? Could you move a little bit? So he was always nice. He, he's sore. He's going to be sorely missed and, and prayers to his, um, his wife and his two kids, and also Gordon Perez, go out to our Ritz Catino, who lost his dad this weekend. Oh, God. So, uh, with us, just... com- also complications from the coronavirus. So, uh, Perez, go out to Ritz Catino and Absolutely. his family as well. 1 800 919 Go ahead, I just say one thing. Yeah, go ahead. I did not know him at all. I'd never met him. Uh, I'm sure I, I, I'm sure I bumped it, you know, crossed paths with him many times, but didn't know him. Mm-hmm. The tributes, the beautiful tributes, and, and this is for somebody that I've, I've never met. You know, Mike Vaccaro today, uh, Mark Carrig in the Athletic had one. Um, unbelievable. Uh, and, and it just, uh, it's just gut-wrenching. You know, when you when you put a face on it, and, and such a, a talented face, and such a yeah. well-liked and, and respected face, like Anthony Causey, it's, uh, you know, reading the stories, which were beautifully done, but they just leave you you know, really uh, in tears. So uh, obviously condolences to his family and his, his, his wife and his two young kids. It's just heartbreaking. It is. It really is. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.